Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. How's it going? Great. I'm great. It's the end of March break. We had International Women's Day where I felt adequately feted. No, wait. No, I didn't. Ugh. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> you know, Nora, I'm going to take a look at that question that you've asked me, and I'm going to see about whether or not I can address it. What? What question? You just asked if I was okay or how I was. And I just said that I'm going to... But you want to answer it? I'm just going to... I'm going to take a look at the question that you've delivered to me and I'll get back to you. So, wait, I don't understand. So you refuse to answer my question. Just I'm, how are you? I just said that I'm going to take a look at the question. Okay. I didn't say I refuse to answer. I said that I'm going to take a look at it. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Listeners, just like, let's be very clear. Sandy is just refusing to answer my question. If that sounds ridiculous to you, it sounds ridiculous to us too. And we will give you some context on that as we get into what we're talking about today, which is federal politics. Oh my God, federal politics. We haven't talked about federal politics in enough time. And you know what? Maybe, maybe the fact that we haven't spoken about federal politics in a while is why it's so shitty. <laughs> the the federal politicians are clearly listen, looking to us for some direction. So, um, yeah, you, sorry to all the listeners and to all the people out there following Canadian politics. It is our fault that it has been so shitty, so boring, but we're going to right the ship today. But before we get into <laughs> it, shall we thank some people? Yes, we absolutely should. This week, thanks to everybody who shared the podcast, who showed us some love, uh, and especially to everybody who donated for the first time or changed their donation. And I also want to say, you know, shout out to everyone who deleted their donations as well. We know that you can't give in perpetuity and there's no harm done. It's all good. Don't feel shy. Keep listening to Sandy and Nora. We appreciate that too. But specifically, thank you so much to Veronica, Matthew, SJ, Leah, and Jessica. Thank you all so much for your support. We could not make this podcast without all of you wonderful people. Nora, I have to say, uh, I have been listening to the Daily News podcast, and uh, I know I've shown you the love before, but I'm just going to show you the love again. I think they're Aww. really, really great. It's awesome to to be able to just have like a, a great kind of rundown on news, um, both international and uh, and national and in some local places across Canada. And I just really appreciate you doing this. It's really, really helpful for me. And I and I hope that the uh, that the listeners feel the same way. Oh, that's so thank you. Uh, you know what this I have to say this past week, I felt like there was a lot of really interesting international news that I did not see or hear of anywhere else in Canada. And so I hope that that was helpful for people. And, you know, solidarity to the striking jeepney workers in uh, the Philippines, uh, solidarity to striking French workers over pension reforms. I mean, you know, solidarity with the folks fighting for democracy in Peru. Like there's so much stuff happening in this world. And the podcast has really given me a, a, a sharp reminder of how little we really do hear about this stuff in Canada. Now, I did want to um, talk about something that you did mention on uh, the Daily News podcast this week. It's a it's a story that I've been following that's out of uh, Georgia in the United States, which is this massive, massive what they're calling cop city yes. that is being planned to be uh, uh, this facility that's being planned to be uh, built, which is just going to be like this this 85 acre police 
training facility. And there have been tons of protests going on. A lot of people are really trying to uh, to prevent this from being built. And those protests, not surprisingly, have been have gotten quite violent as a result of police activity. Yeah, now, and I, you know, 85 acres, that sounds kind of like abstract, but it's, it's so massive. And Sandy, did you see the pictures of other similar facilities, like what it's going to look like inside? I actually haven't looked at what it's going to look like inside. Tell me about it. It is so like freaky in my mind. It, it, it like they actually simulate cityscapes so that the police can like practice fucking shit up in a proper city or in a proper suburb or whatever. And it's like, you know, the, the criticism of the protesters, there's lots of criticism around it, including environmental c- criticism and and indigenous rights and access to traditional territory. But like the argument that this is going to aid in the increased policing and criminalization of the people of Georgia, of Atlanta. I mean, you can see it in these pictures and just like they're practicing for their takedowns in communities. And I, I find that, I mean, a lot of this is gross, but when I saw the photos, I was like, oh shit, like they're really practicing around like simulated neighborhoods. This is um, fucking ridiculous, absolutely abhorrent. But, uh, you know, these these activists who've been taking this up, it's like, gosh, the the police started um, shooting at these activists. And um, one activist who goes by uh, Tortuguita uh, was killed in an autopsy this week revealed that it's it's quite likely that Tortuguita was sitting with hands in the air when shot and killed because there are bullet wounds in the palms of Tortuguita's hands. Ugh. Ugh, that's so horrifying. Um, the other side of all of this as well is that the, the, the charges that are being laid against people protesting Cop City have been terrorism charges direct domestic terrorism charges and and one of the points that i i mentioned on the daily news podcast that i think is really important to 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 mention is that these charges stem from an incident where white supremacists were targeting and bombing black churches in Mm -hmm. 2017 and at the time that the legislation was passed activists were saying this is bad because it's going to be used against us and you know lo and behold here we have uh what is it 23 people or so were charged and the vast majority would have no more than misdemeanor trespassing charges but are now going to be facing domestic terrorism charges like it's it's it feels like a new high watermark of how fucked things are in the states and how much the police uh, are really consolidating the power that they have and using the law to make sure that they uh, don't actually have to face any opposition. Yeah, it's, um, oh my God, it's a really bad situation. I feel like it should uh, be getting more news than it is. Um, and I, it's just in my mind, it's like, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, we all know that the internet and the way that we get news and the way that news comes to us on social media is quite um, uh particular and curated uh, and based on these algorithms. And if I'm, as someone who's constantly looking up this stuff, I'm seeing it in a way that I, I don't feel like is enough. Like, I just, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why isn't this being covered uh, more? Um, but here we are. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, I guess that that makes sense uh, with, with the way that uh, it, it seems as though we're entering an era 
of the news, um, again, being sort of nervous to cover these sorts of stories. Um, but it, I think it should be massive international news in Canada, too, too give, especially given um, how much news you've covered recently um, that shows uh, fuckery with policing. But it's not. And um, that's disappointing. Totally, totally. And and also, of course, what the reper- repercussions or echoes of this kind of policing we will see in Canada, because no one should kid themselves that this is an American thing that will not find its way north of the border. Now, we have not talked about federal politics in some time, Sandy. I know, right? But here we are. Here we are. You know, I <laughs> I am in... Toronto right now um, for a very short period of time, which is why those of you who listen who are my friends don't know that I'm here. Sorry, uh, I don't have time to see you. Um, but uh, I was in I was in a taxi uh, yesterday, and I was I was talking to the taxi driver who was like uh, really interested in talking about politics and. He was like, you know, I'm I'm a conservative. I'm a proud conservative. Like there's, you know, freedom of speech is a huge issue in this country and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, interesting. And so we, we started to talk. And he said to me, you know, no, you know, like the, the protesters were right about the masks. And then he pauses and he says, but, you know, I have been wondering. I've been a little a little confused and um, and disappointed. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, you know, they they went out there and they said, you know, uh, give us the right to take off our masks. And I I agreed with that. But I I thought that they would be out there right now because food is so expensive. And it's like we need that. We need that to live like we need that to to survive. And I mean, a mask, if I think about it, it doesn't really hurt anybody. Uh, And so I, I will admit that I'm upset that we we haven't you know, gone out there and done more protesting because of the food, but maybe everyone's just tired. And I was like, huh, this is really great. And so we had like a really good uh, political conversation about, uh, you know, things that are real and things that aren't real. And it was just good to hear that kind of analysis um, from someone, you know, that I don't know and, uh, you know, is, um, is, is seeing the effects of um, these sorts of things every day. And... You know who else had an opportunity to do some sort of questioning and express some frustration um, around what's happening uh, with grocery prices, Nora? Did he walk into a committee meeting with a foot-high stack of papers? You know, that question that you asked me, again, I'm going to take <laughs> take that and <laughs> think about answering it. Okay, let's get into why we had that hilarious exchange at the beginning of this podcast. So this past week, Jugmeet Singh had his moment to shine. This has been a moment he's been gunning for for uh, quite a while now, certainly all of 2023, the moment where he was able to as he said, look Galen Weston directly in the eyes and demand to know certain things about the profits that Loblaw is making. So the three heads of the largest grocery companies in Canada were in front of a of a commons committee on International Women's Day on March 8th. And it seems like Singh emerged as the most... 
I don't know. I don't want to say most important, but certainly his interventions were the most notable, I would say, because out of all of the coverage that I've seen, it's only been Singh. Like, I, I actually have no idea who the hell was in these committee meetings for either the conservatives or the liberals. And so he he certainly won uh, on on the on the first kind of thing. Make this my issue check mark. So that's that's you know positive for him. But the way that the questioning happened was so. I mean, I think I actually died from secondhand cringe. Oh. <laughs> Nora is coming to us from the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. I, too, those... am in Ontario. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> one of those cringy exchanges included um, this this exchange where uh, Jagmeet Singh uh, asked Galen Weston if he was prepared to respond to the 2000 questions that uh, people had sent him uh, to answer through the NDP. Galen Weston said, I, I am certainly prepared to take a look at them. Jagmeet Singh said, so you refuse to answer the questions. Galen Weston said, I don't refuse. I I will take a look at them. And it continues like that. It was like watching question period, um, which is bizarre because Galen Weston is not a politician. And so it's it's mm-hmm. weird to treat treat him like one. Uh, it, it just seemed like like a really weird gimmick. And um, quite frankly, totally useless. Like I just it would it's fine to like express anger, but to just be like, I demand that you respond to these 2000 questions. What does that do? I don't understand. In fact, Jagmeet, if you wanted to do something, there is there's so much there's ample opportunity here. There is you are an elected official, first of all, in a minority government, let me remind you, which means that you could pressure the government to put in all sorts of strategies that you could come up with to address poverty and the fact that people, a lot of people are experiencing food insecurity right now. Um, and any of those measures that you have to you know, submit a bill would be more impactful than asking Galen Weston, a man whose like literal purpose is to make profits, to answer questions that people are bringing to him. That's not, that's not useful. But oh wait, oh wait, I forgot you have signed a deal with the Liberal government <laughs> to effectively make sure that you don't have any power uh, to to pressure the liberal, liberal government to address any of these issues. Huh. Huh. And it's just like, come on, this is total bullshit. Like, I, I'm not an idiot. You're not an idiot. We can all see through this. This does nothing but, but put on a show. It's, it's a performance. And quite frankly, the issues that people are going through right now who are experiencing food insecurity deserve more than a fucking show from you well especially a show that's going to kill them from secondhand cringe i mean my god come on that's just putting people (laughs) out of their misery um i yeah i think it is so fascinating the way that the ndp has decided how it wants to intervene in this discussion because it's like number one okay so you printed out two thousand questions i don't know what font size you used because i know what a stack of two thousand papers looks like and that was not one question per paper so i I don't know maybe people have some long-winded ask questions but, like, you also could have posed some of the questions to, to Weston, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, 
yeah, asking, will you, will you answer my 2000 questions is not actually asking any of the questions that were given to you. You didn't share what any of those questions were, which then also doesn't really help us understand what this issue is. And at the heart of it, we have an oligarchy that that runs Canada's food supply. The grocery stores are the most front-facing part of this of this industry and they are way too concentrated in the hands of a few. There's no discussions of starting a national public grocery chain that would help to undercut some of the the prices or maybe bring competition into this world that is like not even anywhere on the table um, which of course should be something the NDP is suggesting they're not big surprise but worse than that like there's also every step of the supply chain has profits built into it as well and so it, it is yes profit is driving a lot of inflation but it isn't necessarily just grocery store profits which by the way should just all go to the workers right like that's a whole other thing that i never heard any any talk of the workers or workers wages or anything like that other than some references to the primes that some workers got during the pandemic but wh- where else are we talking about like who are the the, the you know the fact that canada's beef industry is controlled at 90% by two companies like that's nowhere no one's talking about that no one's talking about um, other parts of the food industry in this country it just boils down into the villain of Galen Weston and let's be clear Galen Weston is a villain I know that from his home to head office uh, in in Mississauga for Loblaws that he passes by my happens to pass by my hometown Loblaws and he's famous for stopping in and being kind of a dick to the workers there, <laughs> if you can believe it, as wow. he drives from his mansion. Yeah, it's really interesting as he drives from his mansion uh, to, to, to HQ along Highway 7 in, in, in southern Ontario. But, you know, th- doing this, making this a show is is like, we got it, NDP. You guys have no fucking clue. You have no plan. You have no clue. You certainly don't want us to remember about your sucking and blowing uh, agreement that you have with the liberals. And we're supposed to watch this and be like, wow, Singh could definitely be prime minister. Like that, that was not achieved. That was not achieved. And I will also just quickly mention that the same, the same week, Singh sat down with Chris Smalls from Amazon because Chris Smalls was at the Broadbent Institute talking about how they won the Amazon union. And it's like, what the fuck has the NDP done for any any union organizing in, in in Ontario or in Alberta or anywhere in Canada to get unions into Amazon. I haven't heard fucking fuck all. It is all show, all, all, all show. And at some point, like, I don't know, does the NDP realize that this is causing tremendous harm or are they just like, ah, who fucking cares? We all have jobs. Yeah. And another um, conversation that I had uh, with this taxi driver was, uh, you know, like I was, I, I challenged him on being a conservative, uh, someone who votes conservative. And he was like, you know, I used to vote liberal. I was like, oh, yeah, you did? Like, when was the last time you voted liberal? And he said, um, when after the, uh, Trudeau broke his promise on uh, proportional representation, he realized he could no longer trust liberals. And uh, I was like, so for all the liberals listening, Okay, that that had an impact on people. <laughs> um, he was like, he realized he could no longer trust liberals. And he was like, I was right. I was right all along. Because now look, um, what did they promise next? He said, they said we would, were going to get pharmacare. They said they were going to, we were going to get childcare. And we haven't gotten any of it. So what I have learned over the years is that you cannot trust Mr. Trudeau. You cannot trust the, the liberals. And so I am a proud conservative. It was like, okay. 
So Pharmacare, <laughs> uh, I bring that up because, you know, he's, he's bringing up these broken promises and I think we should, we should talk about Pharmacare. Um, we've talked about Pharmacare as it relates to uh, the, the Liberals before. And since we're talking about Jagmeet Singh, let's go back to that, to that agreement that they made. In, in a minority government situation in year one of the minority government, <laughs> the NDP makes an agreement with the Liberal government uh, to make sure that they are going to get dental care and pharmacare, important action on housing, important action on climate, and to make sure that people get the help they need. It is now 2023. Um, what's been done on the Pharmacare file? Where are we at? Like, uh, what you, the NDP gave away their power for this? How are we doing? Mm. How does Jagmeet think we're doing? <laughs> the The short answer is not super good. There has been uh, a lot of shakeup in the in the federal body that regulates the price of drugs, and this is a very important body when we're trying to come up with a a pharmacare program because, of course, at the heart of that is the 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 question of drug drug pricing, the mass importation of drugs to keep prices low like do you go with a national formulary so that you know people are able to use generics which can bring some of the prices down and of course the chair and other members of this committee resigned when they felt that the liberals were advocating for pharma for big pharma and that they weren't getting anywhere in having this discussion about prices now this is all like kind of the adult uh, side of the conversation where i would say the child side of the conversation is happening is with the ndp althea raj who's a uh, who's a columnist for the Toronto Star. She had her column this week that that quoted Singh. I think he was on her podcast. So she was writing a, an article based on like a recent episode of her podcast. And Singh says straight up, the liberals are absolutely not going to do pharmacare. And he says it a couple of different <laughs> times that she and, the, and she quotes him. I mean, you know, now Raj is a liberal, so obviously she's not looking out for Singh's like political like success or anything like this. But if she's quoting him and if there's no retraction for the quote, we have to assume he said it. I'm not about to listen to her podcast to figure it out, but whatever. And so I think three different times he's like, it's not happening. There's no way it's happening. The liberals are not going to have a farmer care plan. And then so she puts the question to him, well, what does this mean about your with your agreement? And I don't exactly remember how he responded, but it was kind of like, well, what, what could we do? Like, you know, it's too bad. I've got it. I've oh. got it pulled up right in front of me. He says, <laughs> <laughs> he says, um, they're not interested in doing it. New Democrats are going to have to get elected if Canadians <laughs> want pharmacare. But we are forcing them to go a lot further than they would have gone. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll have to get elected. What does that mean? They just what does get that elected. mean? They're forcing them to go a lot further. No, but they are forcing them to go a lot further, Nora. A lot further along. Like, where? How? Well, huh? Sandy, you must know that any number multiplied by zero equals zero. <laughs> Not infinity. <laughs> That's a, that's a stunning. I actually was shocked by that. I don't tend to read uh, Raj's anything and I'm home right now. And so I get the physical Toronto Star and the Globe and Mail. And so I read it kind of cover to cover. And that in particular was like, whoa, Singh is saying the quiet part aloud. Mm -hmm. Like, does he realize he's doing that? Does he realize what he's saying? And then I posted it online. And then, of course, there's partisans saying, 
Well, what do you want a conservative majority government? <laughs> what? Oh God! Uh, it's just, I just I hate the way that we just um, go round and round and round again. It's like you know, it's like how every year we have uh, these articles that come out this particular week that is like daylight savings time, the scourge on our like whatever and our ability to wake <laughs> up. It's like oh God, we're doing this again. Like I just I is is anybody else just like exhausted by the Groundhog Day of it all? I'm just sick of it can we do something differently can we can we shift things <laughs> can we not mm. exist as though we we um can we not pretend that we exist in a two-party system that is the United States? Can we understand the way that our political system works and use um what we have in a minority government uh to uh to our benefit? To, to get some good policy mm-hmm. through. Like, that is the benefit of having a minority government. You have thrown that away, NDP. So, come on, uh, people who are partisans, you, you, the, the answer is not, um, this is all in service of keeping out the conservatives. It's not. That's, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. This, what this is in services in, uh, is in, in um, like laziness uh, from from the NDP and and from not from from not being forced to to force an election um, when the NDP is not ready for it and for me like that's unacceptable you guys need to be ready um, and to get ready you have to do community organizing like that that should be the way that a uh, a left wing party is is operating and community organizing i'm sorry is not um directing 2000 questions either to galen weston or to anybody else on any side of uh of like uh, who are actually elected uh, politicians um you you have to do more than that you are elected you are of among the most powerful people in this country uh it's it's absolutely ridiculous that you've tied your own hands and are comfortable sitting there with your hands tied uh, and and acting like like you have no power because it's not the truth. Well, and also, like, let's not forget that the whole way that this deal even happened was completely anti-democratic. There was no vote in the NDP caucus. It was not told to members before they had agreed to it with the liberals. Some members of parliament found out about the agreement from journalists who were calling for comment. Like, there was nothing at all that you could say in this in this deal from the NDP side that was democratic, that was representative, that represented the, the, the desires of anybody that voted for the NDP. And actually, probably worse than that, it tied Singh to Trudeau, who is one of the most hated politicians right now, who has signs all over Canada from the far right saying, fuck Trudeau. And somehow the NDP was like, well, we got to get aligned with that. Like, there's no possible road to victory in cozying up to the Liberals because the Liberals demonstrated that they're better politicians in this negotiation, that they're more clever, that they're more capable. And no one who's riding the line between the NDP and the Liberals is going to look at this and say, oh, it was the NDP whose stability given to the Liberals is who I should support. They're always going to go to the group that actually is doing the governing. And so there's that whole piece that the NDP has really, 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 really fucked itself up, I think, for the next election. On top of the fact that, as you mentioned, Singh actually has a lot of power. Like, Singh has more power than any of the other opposition MPs. 
because he has given his support to not take down Trudeau for anything, for anything. Like, let us not forget that the the agreement is supposed to be null and void when uh, certain things pop up out of nowhere that the NDP felt like they should have been given a heads up on. The, the way that it's, that it's written is like they have a right to end the agreement if something happened that they that they were not aware of or that, you know, allowing them for to, to, to end the agreement for something that wasn't foreseen. Or they can end the agreement if something as part of the agreement is not happening. And here we have Singh admitting that it is not happening. Pharmacare is not happening. I mean, dental care is a fucking joke as well. It's not a program. It's a it's a tax rebate. It's very confusing. It's duplicating a lot of things that already exist for low income people in this country. Low income children, of course, not even ex- expanded beyond children at this point. And they're just like, okay, so I'm going to read 2,000 questions to you, Galen. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'm not even going to read these questions. I'm going to ask if you will respond to every one of these questions. And it's like, this is pathetic. This is truly pathetic. And people cannot countenance it. It is, it's is portable, as we say in French, right? Um, but I, I think it was also interesting for all of this stuff to happen at the same time as the, the, the national gathering of progressive people, the Broadbent Summit. And I, I wasn't there. Sandy, I don't know if you were there or not, but there was a Hill Times article that came out that that said that the key to the NDP's success, and the NDP is understanding this, is through populism. Did you see this article or did you see these analyses coming out online? I didn't. Tell me more. Well, they had a guy who was involved in Bernie Sanders campaign speak at the Progress Summit. And, you know, because that's how these things work is conferences apparently like espouse the aspirations of something, ignoring entirely what's actually happening on the ground, that the Hill Times article, you know, basically demonstrates that the NDP is ready to do left-wing populism to, I don't know, become relevant or win the next elections or or whatever. And it's like, there's literally nothing in this party that we can point to and say is, I mean, populist or grassroots or reaching average people or anything. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting kind of like, this is where we wish we were. Don't look at where we are, please. I mean, maybe we're the ones out of touch. But uh, if you go back and listen to the episode from March 2022 that discusses our feelings on the agreement that the NDP and the Liberals made, it suggests that we are very much in touch (laughs) and Mm. um, again, prescient. Uh, There's more that happened federally this week, Nora. Um, I don't know if you know, but it was International Women's Day this week. I no, I know. I know you know. I know you were extremely frustrated about it. (laughs) The vibration of the of the women's uh, of the of the women energy. um, I felt it. I felt it. Did you? Well, did you see all of the sexism that was happening up in the hill on the hill in the house? I <laughs> let's just say that I cannot believe that two pieces of news centered around this past week, two politicians actually saying that they're going to look into someone's fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, cliches is are what uh, Canadian politics are made of. Nora. So. Right. Right. Believe it. Right. Did you feel did you how injured did you feel when Michael Cooper attacked viciously attacked Melanie Jolie? I fucking hate this shit so much, Nora. I can't even (laughs) pretend. I just... uh... Okay, so... um, What is the name of this politician? Tell me again. Michael... 
Michael Cooper. Michael Cooper. Okay. Sorry. He looks like a fetus that's trying to grow a beard. <laughs> I mean, he does. I'm just, I'm just describing uh, oh it for you. This is a, an oral uh, medium. You all have to have that mental image in your head. Nora, fetus with a beard. I hate you so much sometimes. Um, okay, so <laughs> Michael, Michael Cooper uh, makes a comment about uh, you know uh, Melanie Jolie talking about how she's like looking... <laughs> The fucking, um, <laughs> looking, oh gosh, hang on. Let me just look up this, the exchange to make sure I get it right. She, I could tell you because okay. I love it. She said, I looked into their eyes, uh, Chinese, um, I don't know, officials and basically said that Canada won't stand for this. I looked directly into their eyes, just as Jagmeet Singh said, I looking Galen Weston directly in his eyes. And, okay. and, Power moves. And so Buddy responds with like, sorry, uh, like what? And what are they going to be like scared of like being looked at in the eyes? Do you think that this is like some sort of show of strength or whatever? And <laughs> I, I can barely get the story out without laughing because it's so outrageous. The response is, would you be asking me about my strength as a politician if I wasn't a woman? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like i have dealt with this before like how dare you and i mean god there was there were all these like segments that were ran on this. like did you see that they asked sheila cops about this yeah yeah i mean a woman who really did have some serious sexism sexist comments made to her in the house of commons i mean i mean she responded to be like uh yeah this is sexist blah 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 but i mean i wonder how she was really feeling deep inside (laughs) because <laughs> As someone who had faced the the um, the the type of sexism that that she faced, I mean, I believe I think I saw a CBC coverage of this where they were they placed by I believe it was CBC. It may have been the Toronto Star. I can't recall, but they placed side by side um, a, a point in time in which Sheila Copps is, is called baby um, by uh, another MP in the house, like, like, quiet down, baby. And, and, you know, like, there's all of this uproar, because of course, that is like, uh, um, like an infantilizing and misogynist uh, comment at trying to, um, to, 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 to take her power out from underneath her. And they, they put that beside, um, uh, fetus beard man saying you know like like do you think it's strong enough to just be looking these people in the eye and melanie jolie being like oh god sexism and i just i mean there's a lot of things that are sexist out there people that it doesn't cross my sexist bar (laughs) i just like i'm 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 really confused and i'm i'm actually like um like fucking tired of the way that that people are uh watering down these like important concepts um as as ways to uh to to just grab uh something that they know that people support you know like melanie jolie knows that people support feminism it's one of the cornerstones of of the liberal party's uh support since justin trudeau has come into power is this idea of feminism so she knows she can call on feminism when she needs really easy support and but by calling on feminism calling on um like uh, saying that something is is misogynist and sexist um when it's not you're watering down the concept and you're making it easy for people to dismiss it when people are at talking about actual 
confronting actual incidents of sexism, actual systemic um, manifestations of sexism and misogyny. And quite frankly, if people are asking you like what you're going to do in, as part of your role uh, in, um, in, in Canada's uh, foreign strategies around whatever the fuck is going on right now with, with China, and your response is, I'm going to look somebody in the eye, and someone asks you about that, um, as a politician, you got to answer that. I'm sorry, that's not sexism. That's like real questions that make fucking sense. Yeah, like it, it, like everything about this goes to the idea that we Canadians can stand up to China. And I think at the heart of Cooper's questioning is it's like, sorry, like the liberals are going to stand up to China. Like we will stand up to China, not the liberals. Right. And for this whole thing to be remixed into sexism, for all the reasons that you just said, it's completely ridiculous. And I did see some people say that it was the fact that Cooper didn't say look into their eyes. He remixed what she said into saying staring into their eyes, which is sexism, because I guess women only stare into people's eyes. I don't know. But like, I'm so, it, it just, it, it's... It, oh, sorry, that's where we're at? Yeah. We're, it's the stare versus the look? Yeah. That's, that's the bar for sexism? That's right. It is, it's, this for me... Got it. ...is peak white feminism, because she is a foreign affairs minister, and there is this massive question of of interference of China in Canadian democracy. Okay, like this is this is the narrative that they are all operating within. And when asked about what Canada is doing and the response is I looked him right in the eye and blah blah blah, that is a fucking joke that deserves to be mocked and Cooper jumped on it and he mocked her. And to say that that is sexism is like this is all very, 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 very stupid. <laughs> I mean, th- this this is where we're at in media. And it's because this is all journalists want us, not journalists, this is all the, the owners want us talking about. They don't want us talking about the fact that the liberals have no capacity to challenge China at all. Like, we really, really don't <laughs> in this country. And we have such weak democratic institutions, as we've gone over in previous episodes, that if any country, China or any country wanted to interfere in Canada at all, they could because our democracy is a joke and not it, not just our democracy, but also because we're such a capitalist country. Like you just have to buy and sell parts of Canada and boom, you've got your you've got your influence. You've bought your political influence. But no, the story of the day is going to be that poor Melanie Jolie was attacked for being a woman. And it's like, this sucks. This sucks a giant fucking bag and I hate it and none of you people know what fucking sexism is (laughs) yeah and but it's also um it's also indicative of like where we're at with like a feminist movement in Canada which is uh nowhere in that it just doesn't exist because if there was like a, a strong uh feminist national movement in Canada uh, people would be a little bit people like Melanie Jolie, who had that much power and that much access uh, to know that what she was going to say was going to make big news, would be a little bit more careful with how they 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 talk about, about things like sexism, because there would be a movement that would be frustrated and uh, offended uh, by this sort of watering down and use of, of of the idea by someone who is responsible for carrying out uh, continued 
uh, institutional and uh, systemic forms of sexism in this country and um, and overseas. Well, let's not forget why we even were in Ukraine in the first place, which is something that I've not seen anyone mention other than us, which was to restore women's rights in Ukraine. <laughs> and that was the first one of the reasons why we were there in the first place was to <laughs> restore women's rights that disappeared, of course, once we're talking about war and, you know, women's rights kind of goes out the window when you're talking about war. But it's like, you know, this stuff is so basic and it whether it's whether it's Singh uh, doing cringe or whether it's the liberals insisting that this is the cardinal sexism sin from the conservatives when they actually have so, so, so many more. I mean, Michael Cooper himself has so many shitty positions on women's rights that that should be it. Like he shouldn't even be allowed to speak if he doesn't have certain beliefs that women have a right to, you know, control their, their own bodies. Like, let's start there. But, you know, it just it, it all speaks to how. Um, everything is so thin and it's, you know, as I said, I'm at home right now and being able to read the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star and how much the content is so, so, so similar. And then you go to a newspaper like the New York Times, which is explaining the the, the political forces shifting between Saudi Arabia, Iran and China. And it's so much more, even even though it's Western and it's in the it's in the the the, the same kinds of of Western propaganda ish, the way that we report things in North America, it's still so much more complete and so much more deep than anything we get in Canada. That I, you know, this is the real danger: is that these stunts, these flashpoints, these fake issues, that becomes the news. And we're all disenfranchised as a result. Uh, taxi drivers are like, why the fuck am I even going to participate in these mainstream parties? I'll go to the conservatives because they're at least talking correctly right now. And then, you know, left wing people apparently get together at the Broadbent Summit and they're like, this is sweet. We're going to be do populism now. <laughs> it's like, um, I... I think that we need to do something that's real. And I think that we need to have conversations that are real. And I think that we need to be calling things calling for things that are real and not doing this th theatrical bullshit that is just going to harm us all because it wastes time it confuses and it takes up resources that could be well I don't know maybe the maybe the NDP literally couldn't do anything else I don't know well I am hopeful that um, when Elon Musk finally destroys Twitter or when nobody switches over to um, to an app-based form of two-factor two authentication, there will no longer be enough people on Twitter for this sort of bullshit um, performance strategy to work, at least on that platform, and that somehow that makes its way over to TikTok and Instagram, and we can stop with the bullshit performances and actually do politics again, because I'm fucking sick of it. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think like, you know, we, th th this is where you don't think Elon Musk is going to destroy Twitter. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that. I don't think that we're going to get out of this era so, so easily. And and I think that, Oh, I know. I was just fucking with I you. I know, <laughs> I know, but I, but I, but it is interesting because, because we've talked a lot about the NDP and the liberals, but this is where the conservatives are really shining where they're talking directly to people, where they're talking about issues that matter, they're using the right language, they're calling for the right things, even though every single thing that they stand for is complete bullshit and they're liars and blah, blah, blah. But this is this is the danger. And, and no amount of the NDP supporting massive military budget increases, no amount of the NDP 
fucking doing theatrics poorly, no amount of Melanie Jolie being told that she's not going to stare into anyone's eyes and fucking intimidate anybody is going to change the fact that the, that the conservatives have a grasp on this moment that none of the other parties have. And and if you, listener, or anybody out there thinks that the only way to stop the conservatives is to allow this ridiculous thing to continue between the liberals and the NDP, that isn't just the NDP fucking folding shop and becoming a wing of the liberal party. It, like, that's not going to stop it. It's It's got to be real political organizing on the ground. And it's basic. And everybody knows it. And the folks that know it but don't care, they don't care. And and sadly, I think that that's that's the real crisis in the NDP is it's controlled by people who literally don't give a fuck about where we are and what the future holds politically for this country.